This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, all right, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and with me, yeah, Ian Wadley from Wadzilla Land, and we are the greatest podcast known to the universe. I mean, as far as I know, maybe there is a better podcast on some other planet, but not on Earth, that's for sure. No, not on this one. Fuck that, man. We're the best. That's true. And we're also the best at being cocky. Yes. And we're also the best at being dissolutional. That too. All right. So anyway, we are... uh, we're like two dudes that love like rock and metal and stuff like that. And I like getting my ass licked and, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, now I'm going to hand the reins over to Ian. What's going on, Ian? Well, uh, before we get into everything today, we had an unfortunate thing happen related to the podcast today. As you may or may not know, and I hope you do, we have the craziest, wildest Facebook page there is. And uh, we had some drama today, didn't we, Ralph? Well, yeah, I mean, from a coward that, that does not have the balls to, you know, stand up and say, hey, look, I, I'm the idiot that, that reported you. Because I put up a picture of Doro Patch Topless, and it seemed to offend this person that, I, you know, I mean, I, I will give him this. At least he, his mom can give good head, because only a whore can raise a loser like this. But, That's right. Yeah. So, um... I love to be his mom. I'm sure I feel no teeth and she can make me come to a blowjob and lick a wicked ass. But unfortunately, this person will not show himself or herself. And if it's a girl, you know she's horrible and bad. And you'll feel too much teeth on blowjobs. Even, and I didn't, even if she gives that, you know? So, well, uh, yeah. What, I, I, mean, I mean, we have four girls on the page and I hope not one of them was offended. And this was... It wasn't even both titties. It was just one titty and a small titty at that. I know. Dora has little titties, man. What the fuck? Anyway. At first, I didn't even know it was a chick. I was like, I was like, hey, that guy's kind of got man boobs, you know? But then I was like, oh, oh, that's Dora. That's hot, you know? Yeah, so, uh, so somebody reported the picture, and I've been banned from Facebook for three days. Now, while we're recording this, it's, it's Wednesday, so... The ban will be lifted on Saturday. This is going to be aired on Sunday. So I'll be back on. But I do have a different... You, I have two, three different Facebook pages that I never use. I have one that's kind of like the Dr. Fuck, Dr. Die one, where I only use on Thursdays to plug my radio show. And then there's another one that's just floating in cyberspace that I never go on. That I only have one special girl on there and I only have that one open to keep in contact with her, uh, which I only go on there to see how she's doing, which is like once once every other month. So I'm on the Dr. Fuck page, the more phenomenal. So my main Facebook page has been banned for three days, but as this loser's listening right now, my page is back up. And you're not going to get me banned again because I have been censored and will not put up titty pictures because it's obvious... This person has a hard-on against me because our own uh, Justin Children put up a bunch of naughty pictures and he didn't get banned. So uh, there you go. I seem to piss off 
a lot of people and whatever. I mean, I, I know I, I know some of them, which has been proven, some of them have been upset with me because of this stupid act I do that I, I act like I have this huge ego and this and that. So they get offended. So I don't know, maybe they're offended by that or maybe they are offended that, that I actually did fuck their mom. It could be. And, I mean, seriously, if you're offended by a fucking titty, you know, so, uh, somebody, it might have been uh, Gully from the Rock Show, Gully and Joe, you know, put up a thing. Somebody did. They said, with all the violence in the fucking world, all the shit, like we just had bombings in Brussels, all this shit, and you're going to get all upset over a fucking titty. Uh, what is your fucking problem? And, and first of all, if you're on, if you listen to this podcast and you're on this Facebook page, Nothing should offend you. Okay, and now I see if somebody's like being, you know, like some asshole, like like racist or, or homophobic, and it, it, ho, homophobic, homophobic, and I, like I'm not homophobic. I don't like homeless people. <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean. Like if somebody's not joking and just being a real prick, I can see that. But still, you, you know what you do? You come to me. You come to Ralph. And we've had people in the past do that, and I will take care of it. If it's justified and somebody's being, you know, because that's how the whole Mike Shanahan thing came to me was by, you know, Stephen Kirsch had the balls. He goes, hey, I just want to come to you. And that's how you do it, people. You know, or if you don't like it, if you can't take the heat, get your ass out the kitchen. We on a mission. You know, fucking leave. We have spent too much time on this fucking loser. What else is going on? All right. Well, uh, there appears to be some kind of problem this week with iTunes. Our latest episode, the uh, the Rainbow Down to Earth episode, doing tremendous on Podbean and through other apps. But for whatever reason, it hasn't shown up on iTunes, at least in America. I don't know about other countries. If you're in other countries and you can see it, please send something to our dirty Facebook page and let us know. But in America, so far you can't see that episode I hope the new episode comes up. I contacted Podbean. They said there's nothing on my end or Podbean's end. But uh, sometimes iTunes can take up to seven days. That's never happened before. Usually within 20 minutes after I post, it's up on iTunes. But anyway, um, we haven't had, and I don't know if this is any correlation, but we haven't had any iTunes reviews in a while. And I just found out I was joking, uh, Decimal Geek. They were complaining because they didn't have, well, I, I should say Eric Camaro was complaining because they hadn't had any iTunes reviews recently. And I said a thing, Joe, I was like, hey, I already put an iTunes review. And then I went on there, it never showed up, and I did that shit over like two years ago. So iTunes can be freaky. We have no new reviews from the U.S. to read, but this is what's awesome. Well, it is and it isn't. I wish iTunes was like everybody all over the world was together, but there is different iTunes for different countries. And I happen to have a set of iTunes that Josh Carlson sent me. Thank you so much, brother. And these are ones from jolly old England. And uh, I'm going to read these because uh, I, I, I think they like us almost more than uh, the Yanks do. All right. This first one is from uh, Gaz UK 73. And this is way back from November of 2014. He says, Best rock and metal combat podcast out there. Even better now that the third wheel has been removed. Keep on rocking, guys. How old is this one? Yeah, from November 2014. Wow. All right. And uh, 
and that's five star review and our next five star review and i wish i could read the whole thing because sometimes the reviews are so long that you have to click like the more button to read the whole thing but this is uh denby 666 and i know who this is this is joe from the rock show with gully and joe gave us a five-star review entitled the perfect podcast for rock and metal fans and i'll read what i can he says i found this podcast from the first episode about david lee ross edeman's smile i was already a fan of rouse review channel previously every week this podcast gets me through my monday morning what's not to love there's hilarious banter great insight and commentary into the rock and metal world where Ralph and Ian often disagree. I'm sorry. Oh, he, he did what you didn't like. He says, where Ian and Ralph often disagree. It's great to hear different angles on albums you may have already have opinion on. And then it starts another sentence, but I can't, uh, I, I can't get to see the, the full review. But thank you, Joe, so much. He was He's a guest on ours. Check out our Slayer episode of South of Heaven. Uh, Joe did a great job on that one. Our next ep- uh, next review is called Dedicated to Metal. And this is from Phil UK 71 This is from December of uh, 2014. Five-star review. Join Neon Knights, Ian and Ralph, the defenders of the faith, as they live and breathe heavy metal from its birth at Tony Iommi's Lathe. The boys are back in town every Sunday. Subscribe to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast today. Awesome. Nice review. Next one. Another five-star review. This one's from Rob LCFC84. This is from May of 2015. A five-star review entitled, If You Like Rock and Metal, This is a Must. And his review echoes that because it says, If You Like Hard Rock and Metal, This is a Must. (laughs) But, hey, thank you very much. Great review. Here's one from, I don't know how the fuck to pronounce this, PSHQ... E.T., this is from uh, July 2015, five-star review entitled Awesome. Best podcast out there for your, for your rock and metal needs. No needles needed as these guys inject you with laughter and a vast experience on the live front and great reviews on all formats. Thank you very much. And this is our newest review in the U.K. This is from Stewie B., Another five-star review says, loves these guys. I follow them on Facebook. One of the few good things about Facebook and have been listening to this podcast since day one. They rock. Rest in peace, Lenny. See, so, you should join our Facebook page. See, this guy said it. One of the only good things on there. Yeah, exactly. Yet, there's still haters in the world. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, our UK listeners, and that, that's something I probably don't mention enough is is we do have listeners all over the globe. In the, I mean, I mean seriously, like we have listeners in the Middle East because I can look and see where people are downloading all over the country. I know we've got some great listeners in Australia, in Ireland. I mean, all over the countries I would never imagine where I think a language barrier would be a problem. We have fans. And we appreciate you all over the world. And thank you so much. And if you left a review in another country that we might not see, send me a screenshot so I can read it. Because I would love to give you guys credit for taking time out and and, and doing that for our show. Ralph and I both appreciate that. Well, all right. Let's get into the news. And, and here's a story that really kind of, you know, picked up this week and caused a lot of controversy. 
and I'm going to be real honest with you, and I hope I don't offend anybody. I know we have some listeners that were offended by this, and I'm going to tell you flat out, I don't know why. And that was Gene Simmons coming out and saying that he's looking forward to the death of rap. Well, I got something against him saying that, but go ahead, Ian. All right, well, you know, he, he did this interview with Rolling Stone, and I'm going to read some quotes uh, from, from, from the interview. And he's quoted as saying, I'm looking forward to the death of rap. I'm looking forward to music coming back to lyrics and melody instead of just talking. A song, as far as I'm concerned, is by definition lyric and medley. Okay, so this is what he said about rap. And this is his opinion of rap. And his opinion on how it's held within the esteem of the, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, in reading that, in no way at all did I see any bit of racism? Well, no, because uh, rap is uh, no longer just a, a African American thing. No, it's not. It, it's culturally, it, it's taken over. And here's my thing: it's like if he came out and said, "I can't wait for the death of country," would everybody go, "Oh my God, Gene Simmons hates white people," you know? And and then it, you know, if they did, then you would be excluding people <laughs> like Charlie Pride. And uh, Darius Rucker, who's now, you know, and, and I, I'm sure there's many black country artists. Well, not oh. many, but oh. but a but a few that I don't know the name of. But it's it's like, I, what bothers me is anytime you criticize rap, you're being racist. And that well, whoever thinks that is a racist. Seriously, if you're if you think for one second Gene Simmons is being racist by that comment. Then you're a racist because, or you're dying to look for racism. You're dying to look. As far as what Gene Simmons says, I'm against him wishing the death on any type of music. Even music. Hey, look, I'll be honest with you. I'm not the biggest rap fan. I like some old school rap. I love uh, N.W.A. I see, you know, uh, the Ghetto Boys. I can have, I can pick the rap I like only in one hand. Not that much. I'm, I'm very limited in my love for rap especially rap now i mean i just can't get into it at all i dislike it but do i wish death on it no because it brings pleasure to other people and i have this mentality because i'm against communism and that is communism to be trying to eradicate something that brings pleasure to people that are not like me so i am against that but at the same at the same time it's okay for Gene Simmons to say he doesn't he dislikes it, but wishing death is kind of shitty. But at the same time, whoever thinks Gene Simmons is being racist, you're a moron. And I also want to say one one thing that happened. I don't know if you saw this, Ian. This happened about a month or two ago when Gene Simmons um, visited that kid in the hospital. Did you see this story? Yes, I did. Beautiful story. Beautiful. Gene Simmons went to go visit a terminally ill uh, Kiss, uh, Kiss fan. He was young he looked what like he didn't even look like 20 yet he was maybe like oh oh no 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 he was like early teens yeah early he teens. was very young very young and gene simmons showed up at the hospital with a bunch of uh stuff kiss stuff sign stuff and you know memorabilia of kiss and, and uh and he made the guys i mean life you know because the very next day he died but right before he died he got to hang out with gene simmons his idol and when I see stuff like that, 
it's hard for me to like really criticize Gene in the long run because honestly, that's really nice of him to do. You know, well, here, here's the Gene does things that grabs headlines and like even like I, you know, I I'm I waiting for the death of rap. Okay, it's not like it's not something that can die. It's something that can fall out of popularity. And I agree with them. I hope it does. Because I, too, love some early rap. I really do. But I have an opinion very similar to Gene Simmons. I'm tired of rap dominating popular music. I think it's made people lazy. Uh, people are not picking up instruments anymore. And that is not racist. Some of my favorite music, before I got into metal, I was into black music. When I, when I had the subscription to Columbia House... Before it was metal, it was black. But it was cool in the game. It was Stevie Wonder. You know, it was Earth, Wind, and Fight. These are bands that played instruments, that sang songs, that were musicians. Musicians. Okay? And rap is not just black now. If you look at something, probably one of the biggest sellers is fucking Eminem. And now you see Grammys going to Macklemore and all this shit. And. Uh, Justin Bieber's rapping for Christ's sake. If that doesn't tell you that you're probably close to an end, nothing else will. And it used to be there would be a breakdown in a pop song, you would hear a guitar player. Now, when there's a breakdown, even in a pop song, there's a rapper replacing it. I think it's lazy. I think it's bad for music. Now, should all rap be banned? No. But I would, this is just me personally. I would like to see a resurgence in songwriting, in musicians, in singing. I, I I think music has suffered from the dominance of rap. I think it's made everybody fucking lazy. Even even like I love some industrial, you know, uh, I, I, I love Nine Inch Nails. A lot of that's uh, created on a computer. But Trent Reznor can play piano beautifully. He writes songs with musical instruments. But that, you gotta admit, it played out and that pretty much died in I'm not saying it did, but I'm saying, look at how bad rap is now. Rap right now, it's kind of funny because it kind of similars uh, hard rock and metal. Because it came from the streets, it came from the underground, nobody liked it, nobody gave it a chance. Then it blew up and got real big, but then it gets real saturated. Right now, current rap, shit like Drake and Kanye, dude, that's cock rock. Rap has been going through this cock rock phase for with the bling bling and shit like that for over a decade i don't know ian i i i, I don't think it's gonna die i really no, don't i, I, think I, it's I don't think it's morphing. gonna die it's gonna keep morphing into like whatever is popular next rap is this big because of white people if it was just black people it wouldn't be as big you know but you, when when rock lost the white kids is when it became the grunge when it was all like well, 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 I hate my life, I want to die. And while that was going on, what were rappers saying? I'm getting pussy, I'm making mad money. What's more attractive to a teenage boy than pussy and money? And they were singing, about, well, they were rapping about stuff that's exciting to teenage boys. But it does have a teenage audience. And that's why you don't see rappers making it to that next level. When you see rappers making that next level, it's because they have a clothing line or they made some headphones. It ain't their fucking music. 
Well, I mean, you know, just to put closure on this, I do agree with you in a lot of points you're making, Ian. The only point I got to disagree is, uh, you know, the point of wanting it to die. I'm not saying die, but I don't want it to be the dominating force okay, that dictates all of music. Because rap has dominated since the mid-90s, and I'm tired of it. Okay, uh, fair enough. I'm not. I mean, I. it's not that I'm, I'm not tired of it, or if I'm tired of it. I just really don't care. And I, I feel like, just my uh, personal opinion, whatever people like, man, let them like it. We, we, you know, our generation of arena metal, arena rock, whatever, it, it's done with. But if we could just continue loving what we do and still support new shit, because that's another thing. I don't know about rap. I can't tell you. I'm not an expert on it. Maybe Mike Sears could uh, leave a comment on, on our page about newer rap stuff that's getting him off. You know, because, and and if there is, I don't even know if there is, because I see a lot of people that love rap hating what's going on now. But that's beside the point. My thing is, man, I love so much new music, so much new metal, so much hard rock that's coming out that it's so under the radar, nobody fucking knows about, because it's not on the Grammys. It's not, you know, on, you know, everywhere saturating the market, like, you know, Kanye West and Beyonce. But it doesn't matter to me. Well, you know, but he, he, here's another thing, you know, and just to show you that I, I just think it's bad for music in general, not saying that it doesn't have a place and it shouldn't be allowed. I would never say that. Like, I hate fucking country, dude. I hate fucking country. But there should be country artists, because some people get off on that shit. Just not me. But I think it's healthier for music when real musicians and, and, and real singer-songwriters have a voice that I don't think they have anymore. Like, like today, and, and I'm not a huge fan, but you could never get a Cheryl Crow because uh, she's older. You know, she, she doesn't rap. You could never get a Huey Lewis, somebody who made it big in their 30s, because that goes against what, what's considered cool. But back in the day, it was all about the song. I just want to also bring up the fact that, dude, we're older now. Our, our time has come and gone. Think of like when we were kids. You had people that were into like Elvis, Bill Haley in the comments and stuff like that. That shit was passe. Nobody cared. What we have today, like, okay, I'll give you an example. Our music, our music is hanging on by the by the threads of mortality. Because when you go see Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, you're gonna see a lot of young people. But you're not gonna see those same young people at, uh, I don't know, Dr. Living Dead show or, or, you know, I mean, cause those will be like in little tiny clubs. Yeah, there'll be young people there, but it's still not. The young people will be there, but the older people aren't. And that's another thing you got to understand. Older people, people our age, because we're the exception, have given up. No, they you're only, right. you're they right only, about that. They only care about nostalgia. So therefore, our mentality is dead. Because you and I and a, and a handful of other uh, diehards are not going to do shit. But what other people don't seem to understand, because America's so brainwashed, heavy metal is like the biggest form of music there is in Europe. Okay? They still play stadiums over there. Man of War plays fucking stadiums. And they yeah. can't even pack a club here. You know, they're a joke in America. But my, my point is, metal will always live. Either it'll be underground or up. And rap, rap 
let me tell you something. Rapper's been going 30 years already. So I don't see it going anywhere. No, well, no, as, as and, I, and I'm not saying it should. I would just, I would like enough, I would like more music to be accepted than just that because I think it would be healthy for music as a I whole. Yeah, I know. We're going to go around this over and over again. Let's just end it by saying Kiss were the first band to do a rap rock song. <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know. Oh, if no, I break it loose. What was, what was rap rock before that? Blondie. Oh, Rapture? Yeah, I think that was more hip hop, if anything. Yeah, but there was some singing involved. But I, I don't know. Say- I didn't say that. that wasn't rock though. That was more like, like funk with you know that funk guitar. I didn't hear it. It didn't have that edge like all hell's breaking loose. Right, but, but basically and, the go ahead. the the bottom line I want to make is I, I I feel bad for people. Like if you're honestly offended, I'm sorry you were offended by what he said. You just want to be offended. No, I'm but, talking about if you think it was racist. You also got to look at it this way. What if Kanye West said, I can't wait to the end of rock, to the death of, of metal. We'd all be like, fuck this guy. You know what I'm saying? So you got to well, look at it in the other perspective. Cause it's a, or a rapper. Or like any rapper, Jay-Z or Dr. Drake, comes out and says, I can't wait till metal dies. I can't wait till fucking rock is dead. You know, we'd all be moving on. Well, Kanye came out. He had a famous quote a couple years ago. He says, you know, uh, I believe it was, rap is the new rock stars, and I'm the biggest one in the world. And and, and I didn't didn't take it as a racial thing. I mean, I laughed at the hypocrisy of it because I'm like, dude, you are no fucking artist. You know, you're a guy that's begging for money now for your clothing line. Okay, it ain't about your music. It's like you want a clothing line. You know, just like, you know, you want your rock aware or whatever. You know, it's like... Well, that guy's a moron. I mean, he, he, he's just a fucking moron. Yeah. And I like his voice, by the way. I think he's got a good singing voice. All right, Crucify. All right, so what else, man? We've been we've been slagging on this one too long. All right, well, I'm drunk. All right, uh, Michael Shanker. Did you see this shit about the Shanker Fest? Yes, all these different singers, huh? Oh, yeah, he's going to have... Uh, He's going to have, uh, what's his name, Gary Borden, uh, Graham Bonnet, and uh, Macaulay Shanker play with the original, uh, you know, you know, the, the drummer and the bass player and, and the keyboard player. They're going to do this huge thing at a festival. I think it's in fucking Holland or some shit, you know. But, uh, but man, what a show that could be to be all eras. And I will say this. I know I'm infamous for slagging on fucking UFO. But lately, I've really got into Michael Shanker solo. So by proxy, I started going back and listening to some UFO, and I'm 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 kind of jumping on the boat. There's still some songs I don't like, and I still think you know are overrated. But there's some other shit that I'm really starting to get into. And man, this would be a show I would love to see. What do you think about the the Shanker Fest, bro? I love it. You know, I've never seen Michael Schenker live, and he played one time on Summers on the Beach Boulevard. Badly promoted show. I didn't know nothing about it, but my friend, Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. Saw the tour, and he said that the Black Crows opened that show. That shows you how crazy that is. They actually opened wow. Michael Schenker. Anyway. Well, all right. Next story. And I know this is one you probably won't give two fucking uh, shits about, but... 
Uh, we spoke about this previously that Max Cal Cavalera and Igor Cavalera are doing shows to celebrate uh, the, 20th oh the 20th, 20th anniversary or whatever of Roots. I can't but stand it, that fucking album. But here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> they're doing it at a festival that Sepultura is also on the bill. Oh, now here's the thing. Are they playing the same day? Because this drama kind of came up, uh, I would say, not quite a year ago, when uh, I believe Down, it might have been Down or another one of Phil's projects, they were playing the same festival as, uh, what, what's Vinny's band? Uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. So they were playing the same festival, but it was on different days. So like like nobody was going to meet, nobody was going to happen, but... Uh, I'll tell you what, I, as much as I, I love Kurt Sepultura, and I, I know I'm in the way small minority, but uh, but I really enjoy what they do with Derek Green. But yes, I would, of course, love to see a reunion of the classic lineup. But, uh, you know, whether this might make something happen or it can make things worse, I have no idea. And rather, I got a feeling you don't give a shit. Them doing a tour around Roots is like Megadeth doing a tour around Risk. It's like fucking Meg uh, Metallica doing a tour around well, St. Anger. It's like Celtic Frost doing a tour around Colton. I know what you're going to say. Oh, well, Roots is their most popular. It wasn't, man. I, I refuse to believe shit like that. Well, well, well. It's it, that chaos AD. It, it, well, I see what you're saying artistically, and you don't like that album, but you can't argue with sales-wise and popularity-wise. I don't wise. think it was that 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 popular. Well, I, I I believe you're right. I know. Well, well, here here's the thing. Like a buddy of mine, he wasn't into Sepultura in the past. He got into them through Roots. Uh, now he he went back, and now you know he likes the earlier shit more. But that's what brought him into the band. And I believe Roots. I, I mean, it's one of those things. Like that's like saying the Black Album is the best Metallic album. No, it's not. But more people know that. Then no kill them all. Just like more fucking people know Roots than they know schizophrenia. You know, I, I know you don't like it, but I'm saying you have to remove yourself from that and say, what was the most popular? When were they, when were they at their peak sales? Man, I was ones? there. I remember when Roots came out, that was the beginning of the downfall of metal in, 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 in uh, America. And, uh, Headbangers Ball was gone. Uh, Roots was like, it just came and went. It actually, Max left the band soon after that. It just, they couldn't go any further. They, they just went the new metal route. It's down-tuned guitars. I know a lot of people listen, oh, fuck you, I like Roots. All right, fuck you. I like Beneath the Remains. That to me is a total different band. It's a hundred, yeah. yeah, I can't remove myself. Thinking of them touring, doing that, gives me no interest. Now, if they were going to tour with uh, we're playing the whole Beneath the Remains. I guarantee you, it would have a better fucking turnout. Guarantee you. There's more people out there that are into Beneath the Remains than Roots. No doubt about it. I don't give a fuck how much it's sold. In the long run, everybody loves older Sepultura more than this shit. Like you were saying, well, I'm in the minority of the Derek Green stuff. Well, I, believe me, you're, you're, it's also the minority to fucking want Roots Bloody Roots. Even Chaos AB was bigger. Thank you. All right. Well, you know, the last thing on the Sepultura thing, and I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying, say Metallica comes out and they said, we're going to do an album start to finish. 
if they if they did one tour that was Kill 'Em All and they did one that was the Black Album, more people would go to the Black Album, and that's not right, but it's realistic, and I I think that's what it is with this. Uh, okay, we, let's agree to disagree. How's that? All right, there we go. Next story. Funny that I just mentioned Metallica. Because Master of Puppets is now being inducted into the Library of Congress. What, 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 what the fuck's that? What, what are you talking about? Okay. Well, every year, uh, 25 albums are uh, inducted into like uh, the Library of Con Congress. It's like uh, records that are considered of historical or cultural importance. And uh, the requisite is that they have to be at least 10 years old. And it's stuff that, like, is held in a vault. You know, like, it would always be like, okay, this is the art of America. You know, like, you have museums in, in Europe and everything. And, you know, this is the art of our country. Well, th they do that musically with the U.S. And this year, uh, Metallica was entered into ours. And I could be wrong, but I think it is the first metal album definitely the first thrash album to ever, to ever be entered into uh, the U.S. Library of there Congress. There you go, there you go. It's going into the Library of Congress instead of the Black Album. When it's simple yeah. turn, they're going to put in uh, Beneath the Remains in that. In <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, the Scorpions, who, uh, you know, turned their backs on the farewell tour and refused to die, recently had to cut a show off, uh, I believe it was like 25 minutes into it, because of a viral infection to Klaus Mine. And he just couldn't do it. He couldn't sing. They don't know if he's going to be able to do the next scheduled show, which I think is like either tomorrow or the day after. No, and, no, uh, no. He's not doing it. They got a replacement. You didn't read this? No, I did not read this. Yeah, Brian Johnson. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But, uh, man, I, I wish Klaus the best. He is getting up there. I mean, I mean, I believe Klaus and Rudolph are in their late sixties. Getting up there. You know, the Scorpion started in nineteen sixty-five. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, teenagers, and, and at that when they started in sixty-five, the only member that's still there is Rudolph. Oh, okay, and, I thought Klaus was in that lineup. No, no, no. Kla Klaus joined shortly before Lonesome Crow. Uh, all oh, right. oh, oh! By the way, I, this is something I keep forgetting to bring up, and I'd hate okay. to do this to the Mighty Scorpions, but I have to. They released a documentary called, um, what was it called? Oh, I know. Oh, don't get me started on this. Oh, uh, my God. I bought it. I was so upset watching it. In, in German. After Forever, was it called? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's in German. Dude, there's nothing more annoying than reading subtitles. Like, you can't keep up. I can't keep up with reading the history of this. It's like, I might as well buy a book. Because they're talking about the history of Scorpions, but in German. And I can't, I, I haven't, I can't finish watching that Blu-ray. I can't oh. finish watching it. It's a huge, huge disappointment. Those fuckers can talk English. What the fuck? Oh, I know. And and dude, you you're not the only one. A lot of people have bitched about that. And I, don't get me wrong, I get it. You're German. That'd be like, okay, you do a Thrash or Die documentary, but all your fans are in uh, Puerto Rico, and they want you to do it in Puerto Rican or whatever the fuck they speak. You know, uh, I can do it. Well, I know you can, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, but I believe there should have been two versions. Yeah, I, I think I think that shit we got should have just released in Germany. 
Right, right, because I, I, I think you're going to annihilate. Annihilate. What's the word I'm trying to say? It doesn't matter. I can't pronounce it either. I, right. I, I can tell you this. Ali you're going to alienate most of your audience. Alienate nation. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, but you know what? They should have did subtitle, like a, like a voiceover. Like, they should have got on a fourth name. Right. You know? Yeah. This is Blackout. You know what I mean? Right, no, I, I, I agree, a major disappointment. Uh, and I got a downloaded version of that from Mr. X, and I was thoroughly pissed because I was yeah, like, what? I bought, I bought it, so you know how mad I got. Yeah, well, at least yours had the subtitles. Mine didn't have the oh, subtitles. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you can't finish it. It's still annoying. I, 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 no, I had, like, you know, I just assumed what they said, and I think at one point, they they said Savage Amusement was their best album, and I was like, "What?" Wow. Uh, Zetro from Testament is uh, saying, "Yeah, what the hell's up with this story?" I I think he might be on this. Uh, well, yeah, say, but then again, you thought fucking Death Magnetic was a return of form. I I didn't say it was perfect, but it was in the right direction. Okay. Well, what he's saying is he he says, "Don't be surprised if Metallica comes out." With a great new album, because he says he, he says he thinks they're feeling the fire from all the other thrash bands putting out important thrash albums this late in their career. Not gonna happen. And, and not all of them are fucking you know you know because I mean hey let's say it you know we neither one of us cared much for the new Anthrax. We both love the new Megadeth. I loved The Last Slayer. You thought it was okay. Yeah, it was better uh, than anything they've done since season. We all agree there. And uh, and I enjoyed The Last Exodus. You know, Death Angel's putting out some great albums still. Overkill never stopped putting out great albums. They got a new one coming out. Yeah, and I can't wait. But uh, I, I tell you what, I hope he's right. But I've always liked that with Metallica. It's like... As much as I slam the fuck out of them, it, 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 you know, in my heart, I'm always hoping that they prove me wrong, that they do something. They're like, yes, that makes me proud to be a Metallica fan. And, you know, makes me feel like I'm fucking 14 again. And, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But then it goes back again to at least fucking try. At least try. No you know? fire and, The fire is gone. It's been squelched for decades. But go ahead, Ian. All right, well, you're a beer half empty, and I've got four new ones right next to me. All right, uh, Tony Iommi is saying that uh, he's hoping that Black Sabbath's last show is in Birmingham. As as the shows are booked, the, this, the end tour is going to end in Australia, but he said he would really like the last show to be in Birmingham where they started, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think no other fans deserve it more than the hometown fans. And, you know, I, I know there's no way in hell I can be there. But uh, if, if there's one place to go out, even though I don't agree with not having Bill Ward there, I think it should end in Birmingham, England. What do you think, Ralph? I don't care. Bill Ward ain't there. I don't care. But for anybody out there that's never seen Black Sabbath, uh, go see it. All right, well, our last story is about another old-timer, and this one is about Richie Blackmore. Okay, I got a story after this, by the way, but go ahead. Oh, okay. But uh, he's being sued by his label, Frontiers, which is a, 
a French label that uh, you know has a lot of you know the classic rock artists that that we know and love, and uh, you know it's like what used to be uh, uh, you know like like a Metal Blade type or CMC, what they used to call the cheesy metal cemetery. <laughs> but anyway, Frontiers is suing Richie Blackmore because they said he failed to properly promote his last Blackmore's Night album, which he was given $220,000 in advance for. But what they ask is, hey, you make yourself available to local radio stations, to uh, in-face you know, uh, interviews. And they said throughout that whole tour, he denied interviews to everybody. And I get it because he probably already had in his mind that his next thing's going to be this rainbow thing he's doing. Well, I don't get it myself. I mean, fuck Blackmore. Get that hot chick to promote it. Good jack-off material. And I'm sure DJs would enjoy seeing her instead of Blackmore. Oh, uh, yeah, but but is any listener going to give enough uh, a shit to hear his fucking trophy wife? You want to hear Richie Blackmore. But they know what it's going to be. Every question's going to be about fucking Deep Purple, and that's what he don't want. But you know what? If you're getting paid to do this fucking music that, quite frankly, most people don't give a shit about. Well, that's answer not, the that's not answer. Uh, really? Uh, really? Blackmore Knight got a huge following. Believe it or not, they do. A, a huge following? Yes, they do. Okay. All right. We, we agree and disagree there. No, no, no. That's that's actual fact. I'm thinking Purple and Rainbow, no. But they, they do play packed houses. They played a big venue in Orlando, and they packed it. You know, and, and look at their DVDs. They play huge to a lot of people, man. A lot of people are into that shit. You know, it's like not hard rock people, but that Renaissance shit's a big market, dude. I well, mean, look how many yeah, albums but, they got. But if you won't even do an interview for those Lords of the Ring fucking geeks, I mean, I mean you know, it's bullshit. Richie right. Blackmore, Richie Blackmore is a fucking prick. I mean, I I respect his talent to all ends, but he's a fucking prick. And that's why that's why he's where he's at right now. But he's always been a prick. Oh yeah. Oh no no, no. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's not like he's changed. But I'm just saying, uh, I can see why the label is pissed about this. You're right. right. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you, dude. You're okay. right. I, I, he's a prick, and he and he should be sued if if that was in part of the contract. Hey, right. we're giving you this much money. Go get an interviewed. He doesn't want to get interviewed. Yeah, he should get sued for being a prick and doing that. Right. I'm not discounting that, but you know, it's pretty black mark. It's something to expect from that guy. Guy's not the and and, and and while we're at it, let me plug the Richie Blackmore Blu-ray. The story oh, of, oh, it's a it's a great Blu-ray. Great it's Blu-ray. amazing. It's like if you want to see Richie Blackmore talk, boy, he'll talk your ear off on that one. Alright, well you have a last news story apparently. Well, it's only a rumor, and I'm sure it's bullshit. It's some, something that came up online today. I guess. Oh, I think I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. Was, but, but actually, it spread because I saw it on one website, which I'm like, they made up the story so that website could get hits. Because of that story on that website, it's, it's plagued itself on other websites now. There's a rumor now that Axl Rose is going to be the yep. singer for ACDC. Yeah. I would love to see that. And I know I'm in the minority. I put it up on the Rock and Metal Combat page, and everybody's like, oh, this is horrible. There was one or two people going, no, actually, Ralph, I agree with you. I would love to see that. And somebody put up a video of him doing riffraff 
another person put up a video of him doing all our rugby. And somebody put up an interesting point saying, yeah, well, he can do the bond stuff, but can he do the prime stuff? Maybe he can't, but you know what? I can totally see Axel saying, like, back and block. Well, well, that's, that's the, I'll tell you this. I would pay to see Axel Rose with ACDC before I would pay to see th this uh, so-called reunion, because I'd love to hear, back in black, I'm going to bring it to you. Shut it down, knees, knees. You know? Yeah. I, I, no, I, and I'm being dead serious. I would pay money to see him with ACDC before I'd see him with fucking Richie Fortis. Well, there you go. And you know what? I would agree with you. I would rather see ACDC with Axel and Axel with Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is what a train wreck it would be because by the time fucking Axel would want to go on stage, the rest of the band would be asleep. Yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's past, past their bedtime. Cause, you know, exactly. Ang Angus, Angus Young ain't that young anymore. <laughs> Alright, since we're done with the news, now it's time for the review. And this week we are reviewing that piece of shit, Suicidal's Tendencies, Art of Rebellion, where they killed their momentum, they were doing so well, and they just threw away their career with this. Now, I, I have little theories, and I can appreciate what they were trying to do, but, uh... It failed, and it failed badly. But Ian likes it, so at least it's good for something, right, Ian? That's right. I disagree. I love this album. Oh, okay, that's cool. It's just that it just killed their career, correct? Uh, I don't know if it's so much this album killed their career. It's just everybody got killed at that time. Uh, I, I think there's, there's few bands that survived this year in, in metal. And actually, this was one of their bigger albums. It had, it, it had their biggest hit song, and uh, it went gold. What song was that? Uh, uh, I Hate You Better was their, was their highest charting song. Dude, that shit was hardly ever played on fucking MTV. That's weird. Yeah. It was their highest charting song on radio. That's weird. And that was like, what, their third, uh, third, third single or something off this album? I know it came out much later. Yes, it was the third single. And this is information you got off Wikipedia, correct? Uh, no. No, this is this is this was handed down directly from your mother. Yep, Wikipedia. Yeah. Wikipedia. Uh, so I, I don't believe it. They had a bigger following. Uh, I saw suicidal headline down here during those earlier tours. By the time Art of Rebellion came, they only came once, and that was opening for Megadeth, and and then the album didn't do anything, and they they pretty much died and went the infectious grooves route. So they released. Uh, Still Psycho after all these years, or whatever the fuck was after that. Yeah, Still Psycho came out after this. All right, so um, go ahead. You're, since you're more into this album, give us a little backstory. Uh, well, prior to the release of this, uh, drummer R.J. Herrera, I think is how you pronounce his name, he left over personal differences with Mike Muir. And they ended up recording this one. They didn't make it an, an official drummer, but Josh Freeze, who... After this album, he became like the studio guy. You know, played with uh, Perfect Circle on your. He played on your beloved uh, Chinese Democracy. Played with a lot of people. He was the drummer for the album. But by the time the tour came around, they got you know another journeyman, Jimmy DeGrasso, uh, became the touring drummer and the permanent drummer afterwards. But uh, this is coming on the heels of 1990s Lights Camera Revolution, which was a big hit for them. Great album. 
uh, yeah, very highly regarded. It kind of it built upon what they did with uh, "How Can I Laugh Tomorrow," you know, was a was a, a a transfer album. Them going more thrash than you know the punk they were known for. You know, the, the first album's straight up punk. Second album is a bit of a crossover, you know, and then they start going more thrash, more thrash, and this one is just straight up experimental. Even though there's elements of everything on this album. But, uh, you know, this one, and it did come out after the Infectious Grooves album in 91. Uh, I actually saw this tour. It was Infectious Grooves opening up and then Suicidal. That was a headline club show I saw. But uh, also around this time, you know, they were opening up for Metallica and uh, they opened up some shows for Kiss. And, uh, oh, my God, who else? Hold on. I, I got a list here. Megadeth. Megadeth and uh, Queensryche, Guns N' Roses, Danzig. Wow, Queensryche, I saw them open for Queensryche on the uh, Revolution album. Uh, it was Operation Mindcrime. I mean, Empire and uh, uh, that album. Dude, I think your Wikipedia shit's all fucked up. Oh, could be. I'm drunk. Yeah. But uh, I absolutely love this. And it was, uh, it was a shock to a lot of fans. It also brought in some new fans. And this has all the elements of an album normally I would hate. You know, a, a band changes, you know, fucks with what's considered their classic sound. Uh, they get a polished producer. So there's all this shit that normally I would hate when other bands do it. But to me, everything worked on this. And this album is all over the place. All over the place. Uh, but that that's its charm to me. You know, I, I, I think that's what makes it work. And uh, I absolutely fucking love it. So let's start with the first song, which is Can't Stop. Great fucking opener. Great lyrics. Great song. Um, I put this up with You Can't Bring Me Down or any of their fucking, you know, better known songs. It's just, it works on every level, you know, musically, lyrically. Uh, the production sounds great. I mean, I mean, it is kind of, you know, polished for my taste, but I don't know, it just, it works on this. Um, and, and what a way to start off the album, and the song is so fucking, I, I don't, to, to me, I, I just love the way it describes, like, this, this, like he says in the lyrics, you know, an itch you can't scratch, like, a, like an itch of the brain, and when you finally find a way to scratch it, it just itches more, and... I, I, I think it's in their top five all-time fucking suicidal songs. I love it. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like this one a lot, too, because it, it, it sounds like suicidal to me. Uh, you were talking about, oh, you know, normally you don't like a band that switches style. Well, I don't mind it. I mean, look at Suicidal's history. I, my favorite Suicidal is the first album. That's Mine, my, too. That's Mine my too. favorite one, but it's nothing like How Will I Laugh. It's nothing like Revolution. It's totally... The opposite, really. It's punk, hardcore to straight up thrash. And I dig it, but you see, and uh, this song right here, it, it could have fit on Revolution, because it does have that, you know, you can't bring me down thing. And uh, But to me, the highlight of this song is really the, the spoken word, even though I do like, get up the run is. I love that shit. But the spoken word, like, you know, like, that, you know, oh, they don't make no seatbelts for the mine. You can't pass enough for this ride. Hell yeah. And that part where he goes, oh, no, you really did it this time. 
that to me suicidal psycho michael crazy fucking shit now just to get off this album for a second the next album they went back to the old school and it just didn't work i agree because it was him trying what was it called suicidal for life i think uh well well no uh well after this they did uh it was suicidal for life, or no? It's still psycho. Oh, here. that don't count. That's just, right. Okay, that's yeah, just yeah, four. yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. About I'm sorry. Next Studio, yeah. Suicidal for life, and it was kind of like, um, you, you know, because some fans didn't like this. A lot of fans didn't like, the, you know, the re-recorded album, and it's it's like they tried too hard uh, to be edgy. Like every song had a curse word, but it wasn't as smartly written as a lot of suicidal. A lot of suicidal is very intelligent. And that one was just like, you know, like cussing for the effect of cussing. And I kind of, I, I liken that album to Wasp's Helderado. When Wasp did Helderado, they tried to go back after Kill Fuck Die. They're like, okay, we're going to do an album that sounds like fucking Last Commander, the first one. And it didn't work because you could just hear them trying too hard to recreate something you couldn't create. And that's, where, that's where, my where, point. That's yes. my point on this album. And and but this album to me feels natural. Feels like a natural progression of where they were going. And uh, even uh, guitarist Mike Clark said, even though it's a very experimental album, they didn't go in with the attitude of like, hey, this is you know we're gonna really branch out. He said this is just what happened because all all the different players were coming into their own. You know, uh, Mike Clark, Rocky George, Robert Trujillo, uh, Mike Muir. I mean, they were all. All had different styles and different tastes, and it all kind of just blended together on this album. I know you don't like the flavor of it, but I, I dig it. And I, and I think they didn't either in the in the, in the long run, or because honestly, man, I don't think anybody's more real than Mike Muir. Even as whacked out as he is, that guy's an individual. He's yes. his own person. He doesn't give a fuck what you think. He's gonna do what he do. Like for example, when we were talking about that suicidal show. Dude, I'm not lying. For about three to four minutes, that guy sat down on the stage with his back to the audience and softened the audience because people weren't getting into it. And he didn't give a fuck. And he was like, I don't have to fuck. I'm not your monkey. He said that at one point. But at the same time, I feel like this album, even though like what you said, they went in there and they did it naturally and it's just a natural progression for them, it didn't work. And that's why they went back that's why Wasp went back after their industrial faux pas. Yeah, I like Kill Fuck Die. I like it more than this album, but it's not Wasp. And I agree. I, and I felt like this is not... There's hints of suicidal. And and something I was going to bring up before, and I'll bring it up again. I love when a band challenges an audience. And that's what this album is. It's, it's them challenging the listeners. Hey, you've been with us this far? Now we're going to take you on another journey. That's why I love The Elder. That's why I love uh, MC94. I, you know, the bands that take chances. The Beatles is the, the best example. I think The Beatles are the reason this album exists. Because The Beatles were, were ones that totally changed their sound, totally changed everything, and yet it became their more landmark albums like Sgt. Pepper and you know, and Abbey Road and stuff like that. That doesn't sound like please, please me, I need the Beatles. But yet it worked. It worked to the point when you put on classic rock, you're not going to hear I saw her standing there. You're going to hear I come together. Right. So 
a lot of bands took that from the Beatles and they just take left turns. And if it succeeds, it becomes huge like Sgt. Pepper. If it doesn't, it becomes like Art of Rebellion. Now, no matter what I think of it, I will tell you right now, my favorite Motley Crue album is the one with Karabi. It used to be Sergeant Pepper. Uh, um, Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> uh, it used to be Shout at the Devil, but you know me, I'm a fickle faggot. So I, I, I changed with time. It used to be Killers. Now it's the first mating album. So um, now my, I, I took a walk like a week ago, and Motley Crue 94 is like my favorite. Now it's like, and then I put on Shout at the Devil, and I'm like, I like 94 more. But it's not Motley Crue. And right. it failed. Even though I love it more than all the other stuff, it failed. That's just the way it is. Yeah, you can blame the time for it or whatever. But honestly, I don't know, man. If 94 came out when Dr. Feelgood came out, I think it would have still failed. Because Vince Neil without Molly Crew is just not Molly Crew. Period. Anyway, to go back to this song, uh, yeah, I think it's great. This is the direction I think the whole album should have went in. And as you see, this song is not your thrash song. It's It's got elements of older suicidal with the craziness of you, uh, you Can't Bring Me Down. Now, this is a journey they took me that I was on for the ride. But I can't say that for the other songs. Uh, the next song, Except My Sacrifice, I got to tell you, be honest with you, uh, I changed my opinion on this one. Um, I like it. I like this one. I like the little bass riffage. You know, in, in a different way, I, I can strap on the seatbelt in my mind and, and and challenge. I accept this challenge of this journey they want to take me on. Because except my sacrifice does not sound like other suicidal songs. So, so far in this album, they're taking me on a different journey that I'm along on. But I'm about to take off the seatbelt and jump out the car. What do you think of Accept My Sacrifice? Uh, I, I love it. I love it. I love the bass riff on there. This one, uh, one he co-wrote with uh, Trujillo, and uh, I, I love the chorus on it. Set my sacrifice. You know, I love the way he keeps going with that. And uh, again, what uh, what a stark contrast to the first song. And that's what I love, man. This album goes up and down and all over the place. I mean, it's really, it really is a roller coaster for the mind. And I think it fits perfect because it's so different from the first one. Absolutely love except my sacrifice. All right, go to the next one. All right, the next one, uh, the the power ballad. Now this is one. Uh, yeah, this is kind of a stock thing, you know. Uh, not stock is in, in bad, but I mean on. Uh, how can I laugh today? They had that. That was the power ballad of that album. On um, lights, camera, they had the incredible alone. And uh, this is another one. I mean, just a, a really sad song of despair. And, uh, you know, Mike Mike Beer's not one like a, a, a self-pity guy. You know, like, woe is me. But this is just a tale of a man that is really, you know, at his end and just feels like nobody can identify. Uh, it was the first song off, off the album. I mean, uh, first single off the album. Not and, the uh, first video, though. No, not the first video. But the first single, um, I really like this one a lot. Uh, I, I think it's great, and it fits in good with, with with the previous ballads. This one's definitely more polished than the previous two, but I think it's a great song. What do you think? 
Uh, I think it has genius lyrics. The music, I feel, is forgettable. The video is more interesting than the music, if you ask me. And this is this uh, this killed the momentum of the album because at this point it built up with two good songs and then it just plummets. I think this song is forgettable and not really good. But you know, I'm you know the positive notes. I really do uh, feel the lyrics and I like the video. I like with the whole little spoken word, which later yeah. on Metallica stole for until it sleeps. But I like all those little words going on the screen and. You know, them playing behind that glass. I think the video is cool. Interesting. Uh, cutting edge. Uh, of course, it didn't do anything because, God forbid, MTV actually like uh, gives an award to something creative. I think maybe Millie Vanilli probably won video that year. Uh, but the video is good. The song is forgettable. I, I just think it kills it for me. This is where... I just like lost. Uh, this is where I have finally started started worrying, you know. But uh, again, I got I got to um, confess. Back then, I started worrying during "Accept My Sacrifice," but now I, I dig it. In retrospect, it's some. If this is an album, I never go back. To. So I did for this review several times because when I accept my sacrifice, I was like, "Damn, man, maybe I should listen to this album some more. Maybe some more will sink in." Because except my sacrifice didn't sink into like maybe my third listen, because I heard it about four times. I had it in my car for a full week. So, um, but nobody hears. Uh, it, nobody heard. I mean, this this, <laughs> this kind of didn't work for them, you know. And uh, so we go into the next song, "Tap Into the Power." Not bad, but a bit all over the place. This song is a test on how far. They're going to take the listener on this journey. Uh, but this listener doesn't want to be part of that journey. I, I kind of felt like this is a... I felt they were trying too hard. Even though it does have its little elements of like... It's not so terrible in songs coming up. But, I mean, yeah, consider c compared to songs coming up, it's, it's okay. But, you know, if the rest of the album was killer, this would be a piece of shit. That's how I feel about it. Tap into the power. What do you think? Um, I love it. Again, I think great lyrics by Mike. Uh, I, I like how how it's talking about using your pain. You know, don't 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 feel sorry for yourself. Take that shit. You know, and, and and use it to your advantage. Use it as your strength, your motivation. You know, to to change your situation. Don't wallow in your self pity. Just use that. And uh, I think it's positive lyric. I mean, for a band that gets so much shit. For their name, you know, suicidal tendencies. Most people hear that, like, oh my god. But it is some of the most uplifting music lyr lyrically. I mean, it's it's never, uh, you, you know, a lot of it's dark, but it's never like wham wham. You know, it's like grunge would be. You know, like the old daddy didn't play football with me and life is hard. You know, Mike's telling you life is hard, but don't let that beat you down. You know, you know, take that shit and and, and persevere. And, and that's what I love about this band is you can be in a bad mood and listen to this and, and, and you know, sympathize with it. Like, yeah, this sucks and that sucks. But the end message is always the same. You know, you know stick to your guns. Don't let the bastards grind you down and persevere. And, and this song is a perfect example of that. I love it. Go next one. All right. The next track is Monopoly on Sorrow. Oh, man. 
a beautifully depressed song. Uh, <laughs> again, he's not too happy on this. But what I love about this is, while the music, I mean, I mean, while the, while the subject matter can be, you know, of sorrow and depression, the music doesn't necessarily follow with it. I mean, it's all over. There's a lot of beauty on the music on this. Uh, you, you know, definitely a different sound for suicidal tendencies. But uh, I, I love the yin and the yang to it. I, I mean, it's like beautifully written musically, but lyrically very dark, but it just keeps interwoven itself. And uh, I think Monopoly on Sorrow is a great song. Uh, this is terrible. I mean, <laughs> terrible. And it seems like I'm going to be you in this episode. Because you're the That's one that loves to hate. But I, this is just fucking horrible. It's boring. It goes nowhere. This is this is terrible. And this is a glowing <laughs> example why I don't like this fucking album. When when sorrow when when pass no go straight to jail when when fuck this song. This song sucks. Give me under the rose by Kiss any other day. Ooh. Yeah, thank you. All right. We call this mother revenge. Heavier. Not that. Uh, by the way, I got notes here I'm reading. Something yeah. I don't do very often. I know, I like uh, that. Not bad. More my speed. And has the vibe the rest should should have had. Heavy, fast, light blues breaks. Nice tune. Filler, but killer filler. That's what I feel about this song. Well, we, we kind of agree yet disagree. Um... Uh, I also put filler, but I like it. But where I think that it succeeds musically, I think it fails lyrically. Like, like to me, like musically, yeah, I can hear this on other suicidal, but lyrically, to me, it, it's rehash. It is filler, but I don't hate the song. There, there's no uh, spoiler alert. There's no song on here that I hate. Uh, but this is, you know, this is 92. This is the CD era. This is where you start seeing every band fill the fuck up. You know, they're going to use every bit of space on the CD. And this was their longest album until 13, their latest studio release. But you saw everybody doing that back then. You know, when, when you know, in the past, shit would have been trimmed down. Only the cream would have made the album. Starting in the 90s, you started seeing bands put out way too many tracks on an album. And this is one I think... You know, could have saw it as a B-side. There, there's two songs out here I think could have been B-sides, and this is the first one. All right, but, you know, not essential. All right, what do you feel about the next one? Uh, the next one, to me, is the fucking epic of the album. And I think one of the greatest fucking songs they ever did. And uh, like we were talking about, uh, Nobody Hears was the first single, but the first video was I wasn't meant to feel this slash asleep at the wheel. Uh, it is just so fucking epic. Uh, again, one of my favorite suicidal songs of all time. This is like the Beatles meets Floyd meets Zeppelin and the fucking bass of Robert Trujillo. Uh, it, it, it's a sing-along song. It's, it, it's a bob-your-head fucking song. Uh, it just, man, this is one that takes me on a fucking journey, makes me want to take a big old hit off the bong and just fucking chillax and groove at the same time. Uh, 
where this came from, I have no idea because they well, don't I have. Do. I do, and I'll, and I'll explain it. They they don't have another song like this. Well, they have some that came after that were a little bit close, but to me, nothing was as perfect and grandiose as this. This is probably my top three suicidal songs of all time. Absolutely love it. Favorite track. This is terrible. <laughs> I mean, horrible. And I'll tell you where they got this song. I saw Suicidal open for Jane's Addiction on the Lights, Camera, Revolution. They were down here three times during that tour. Where in this tour, they only hear once. Um, this song sounds Jane Addiction-ish. That's Jane Addiction. This song total... I feel like this is like the biggest cop-out song they've ever done. It's them trying to be Jane's Addiction. It's them not being suicidal. Way too alternative. You know, I heard this first. It was boring, strange changes. I feel they were trying too hard to be different. And it kept a little bit of the Psycho Michael speech, you know, the, so you can remember it is suicidal. But this is terrible. This is just so bad. And the video is even more annoying. But I do agree with you as far as, yeah, you should, like, kick back and smoke bombs and do a lot of drugs so it can be somewhat enjoyable. But, oh, I can't stand this fucking song. This is a song that I think of when I think of this album because it was the first video for it. It was just, I, and, and that's another reason why I think this album failed so bad. Because they threw this out there. It's like, dude, you're not James Addiction. This is not James. That's what they were going for. See, Psycho Michael, they, look, at that time, what year was this when this album came out? 92. 92. Ready Nirvana was out, all that shit. So they wanted to be, distance themselves from the thrash, from the metal. They were like the first ones to do it, really. You know, later on it was, you know, your Testaments, your Megadeth, and all that, doing it. But they kind of saw what was coming. They saw the writing on the wall before it actually happened because metal was still huge at the time. But touring with Jane's Addiction, I think, opened their eyes saying, hey, because when I saw that show at Bayfront, that place is fucking packed. And I watched Suicidal. They were great because they didn't have no Art of Rebellion music yet. They kicked ass. They were amazing. Then Jane's Addiction came out. And I think I made... I don't know, almost 45 minutes. I mean, that was pretty good. That was a good amount of torture I went through. But fucking A, do I hate that thing. That's an, I, I, they're local. They're from down here. Oh my God, I can't stand James Addiction. And maybe that's why I can't stand this fucking song. So, I know it's them challenging the audience and this and that, but fuck, man. This doesn't challenge me. This makes me, this turns me off because I've been a suicidal fan. Since I saw them in 1985 on South Beach, you know, and I love Join the Army. I love Feel Like Shit. This is fucking awful. Terrible. And that's why I don't think they ever played it live. I know they didn't do it when, and it was like the video that was out promoting the album when they opened for Megadeth, and they didn't even bother to play this live because they knew they would get eaten up and spit out if they were to play this piece of shit in front of Megadeth fans. It just, just didn't work. Here's the thing that I was really disappointed about. When I saw them on this tour, you know, their headline tour for this, they played the first part. They, they played uh, I Wasn't Meant to Feel This. And then they went into another song. They didn't play Asleep at the Wheel. And I was fucking pissed. 
Oh my god, I forget what they went into. I loved it, but at the same time, I was like, oh no. You know, it's like when, you, when you'd when see Pantera and they'd start Domination, but go into Hollow. You're like, no, no, play the whole song. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, the way I remember, I could be wrong, but I think they played this with Megadeth as the opener, like, but not played it live. Just they streamed the audio of the beginning of this before yeah. they came out and they opened the show with Captain Steven. But uh, uh, going back to what you were talking about with the, uh, the 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 covers album, I mean the covers of themselves. Here's something I didn't know until recently: they actually recorded that the same time they did uh, Lights Camera. Yeah, I knew that actually. Yeah, I, I didn't know, and you know it was because he had uh, legal issues with the label that owned the first album. And he was getting like no, uh, you know, residuals from that. And that album was blowing up, became a landmark album, but he was seeing no money, so they did that. But I think that uh, that, that album is is totally... I mean, you'll never recapture the spirit of that first one. And then I remember they announced that album. When I saw him on this tour, they said it was coming out, but it was supposed to be called Still Suicidal after all these years. And I heard that due to label pressure, they made him change it to Still Psycho. Because still suicidal sounded too bad, and I, I thought that was weak. I remember when it came out, like, no, it's supposed to be called still suicidal, not still psycho. Uh, and and that's another reason I feel like uh, this album was was such a flop that the the record company wanted to release that. The record company pressured them to do like older thrash stuff again. This album was a fail. This album destroyed their career. It just did. They were. Suicidal at that time were becoming bigger and bigger. Every album was selling more than the last. They were just becoming huge. Maybe they did sell a lot on this album because of first first week buyers that right. were, that were loving everything before. But believe me, I was a first week buyer. I bought this shit when it first came out. And uh, even after, because I saw this video, uh, Asleep at the Wheel, before I bought the album, and I was like, ugh. I'm sure the rest is good. You know? But I, I mean, again, though, name me a band in that era that came out with an album that was harder than the previous one. Unfortunately, I think the only example would be like fucking, you know, Skid Row, Pantera, you know, or Pantera, you know. But but the rest of the bands, you know, well, Met here, Metallica, Testament, uh, you know, Megadeth, were all putting out albums that were more accessible than what came before. So it and, wasn't but, just but that. All, but all those bands, with the exception of Skid Row, still had a better career than Suicidal. After, after, even if it wasn't, even if it was a downgrade, Cryptic Writings, even Risk and stuff like that, were doing way bigger numbers. Damn, Suicidal pretty much died. Well, I agree, but I mean, there was also a band like Testament put out The Ritual, which, while I still like it, was way more accessible than what came before, and they went on a downward spiral. But I mean, Not some, as bad some, as Suicidal, though. So some some bands made the transition. Some, but I mean, shit. Look at look at the record sales from the Ritual to Low. I I mean, they fell off the fucking map. Yeah. You know, because there was there were some bands that made the change and and some that didn't. And uh, and Suicidal was definitely one of those. You're right but about that. I, I I feel Suicidal was doing better than Testament. I I feel like they were they were reaching that plateau where Megadeth was on. Because they were really creating. I mean, I was there, dude. I saw it. I saw them in a little club. Then joined the army was well, actually a smaller club. But 
When, by the time uh, Trip of the Brain came out, they headlined Summers on the Beach, which is a big club, and it was fucking packed. Then Lights, Camera, Suicidal, they played the Cameo, which is like a big theater. And But then, you know, when this came out, it was like, they just came, they opened for Megadeth, and they never came back. Not even that Suicidal Infectious group uh, came down here because no promoters wanted it. it, it I, I'm telling you, dude, you may have read this shit on Wikipedia, and dude, I hate you better. It's like, who the fuck thinks of that song? When you think about suicidal, I when you think of suicide, you think of institutionalized. You can't bring me down, and to a smaller extent, send me your money. But who the fuck listens to things of "I hate you better"? That's such a. I do. I love it. No, but I'm saying right as a whole. Right, you know, but, but like when this album came out, was like you know the height of my uh, you know suicidal fandom too. I mean, I still right. love. Well, them. maybe that that that's. But I'll give you a better example. Who the fuck thinks of Uncle Jack by Motley Crue? You know what Correct. I'm saying? Yeah, as yeah, as much right. as I love it, it right. dude, it flopped. It, it it just died. And this is a great example of a band killing their career by taking a chance. And I commend them for that. Right. Because, and I'm sure they love the shit, but they saw it. It didn't do anything. It actually sealed their fate. And Suicidal Now is more of a cult band. Suicidal is a band that I saw them, the last time I saw them, it was a good turnout. They played a nice big place, but it was fucking nostalgic. Right. That's what Suicide of Tennessee is now. If they release an album, number one, they ain't on no label. What label right. are they on now? Some Bobo label, I'm sure. Well, like, it's like a Mike Mirror. Independent. Yeah, there you go. They, they can't even get signed anymore. That's how bad. And, this, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying, my point is, Suicidal was on Epic, they were doing great. They were releasing home videos and shit like that. But Art of Rebellion just stopped it. And what they do, they scrambled to release that still psycho after all this year to like probably get the old fans back to show, hey, look, we're not, we're not going to be this way anymore. And then the next album was nothing like Art of Rebellion. It was totally them trying to be thrash suicidal again, right. with a lot of bad words. And that just prove my point it doesn't matter if i like it or love it the fact of the matter is this album killed their career all right the next song gotta kill captain stupid which i always laugh when i hear this song because i always think of gotta kill captain stupid the, the captain from the love boat but uh i love this song and this is another example of uh something i might not normally like because it's an anti-drug song but uh <laughs> There is a lot of truth to this, though, you know, when it talks about somebody that totally gets lost in their addiction. And uh, I think it does have a good message. I mean, drugs are good and fun. You can have a lot of fun on drugs, but there's a lot of people that just get lost and lose everything over them. And uh, I think it's a great song about that, and I think it's a lot of fun as well. I love Gotta Kill Captain Stupid. Ralph, uh, I, I got a opinion you don't. <laughs> No, this is my favorite song on the album. Oh, nice. nice. No, I love Captain Stupid. And as far as what you said, uh, you don't like it. To, well, it's a surprise you don't like it because it's an anti-drug song. You know, something people should understand. Drugs do work for some people. You know? So by him saying, oh, what's that shit you're putting in your brain? You're stupid. Some people, man, it works for them. So I don't think drugs is bad for everybody. Drugs is bad for me. You know, it, it doesn't work for me. 
And and I understand that. Now, if you're going to do drugs and then be like, ah, oh, life sucks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, drugs don't, you're not, shouldn't be on drugs either. But drugs <laughs> is very positive for some people. I know I'm sending people the wrong message, but I don't give a fuck. All you kids out there that <laughs> have never tried drugs, try drugs. It might be good for you. <laughs> I love it. It's true. <laughs> but if you do drugs and you get all depressed, you gotta quit because that because you become Captain Stupid. Or you know if you like lose your job or you know yeah, all your money yeah, 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 and starts exactly. things. If you wake up and you you know you, you can't get out of bed because you need a shot of tequila or fucking vodka, that's how bad I was at that point. But uh, it's not for you. It's not. It's bad. Then this song makes a lot of, of sense. And yeah, the greatest line ever. And I use this line all the time. Oh, so now you say life sucks. Well, 99% of it is what you make of it. So if your life sucks, that means you suck. Love it. That love it. is genius. And I love, and again, this doesn't go out to everybody because drugs work for some people. But when it doesn't work for some people, you act, you guys act like Captain Stupid is some fucking superhero, but he ain't nothing but a super punk. <laughs> and I'm not going to mention the person's name. He's a good friend of mine. And as I said, man, I'm not, I, I can, I can give advice, but when it comes to people that do drugs, the only way they'll quit is if they want to. It doesn't gonna matter what I say. True but if, if you're going to brag about doing coke and doing this and doing that, and you got kids, <laughs> maybe I should stop because hey. he might, he might hear this. <laughs> No, don't, don't, don't worry, my kid, my, my, my kid don't listen to this. No, I'm not talking about you. Oh, okay, bye. Because it totally works for you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's why this, this show rules because of your drug addiction. Ah, oh, shit. Okay, you know, cool. And because of my sobriety, you know? Uh, okay. But it's all, it also, this show rules because I understand drugs are good for some people. You know what I, I mean? Know. So I, I love this song. I love the message, but the message does belong because, dude, all right, I'll give you another example. Uh, I noticed this the other day when I uploaded this video I shot of Uli Roth the other day. Dude, I'm, no, I'm sorry, not Uli Roth, Zach Wild. You know, Zach Wild's playing one of those acoustic uh, Book of Shadow songs. And if you listen, look at the video I shot up, the guy sitting next to me is like, all this time, you never, never sympathize. Like this horrible voice, and I'm thinking, see, this guy shouldn't be drinking. Because <laughs> he's ruining the show for me. Don't you hate that when you go to shows and some asshole with the most tone deaf voice is screaming the lyrics and you can't hear the artist sing? Uh, no, because I can't hear him over me singing the song. That's but... right. I was about to say, you, you should stop drinking. What? It may have been you. It may have been you all the way from New Orleans screaming and I heard it all the way down there. But, uh. Dark side. But shit, yeah, man. Fucking Captain Stupid Rules. And come on. It's total thrash. This is them going, hey, look, we're here again. But, it, you know, when you put up a, a song, just one song old school, it ain't going to work. See, and here's another thing. I understand them taking the chance. But the thing is, when you build up an audience with your style of music, and then you completely change it 100%, it's not going to work. Not in the 90s. Because here's another example. Uh, and I, they saw this by seeing James Addiction going on tour. They see that shift of people. Those people that are loving James Addiction, I'd say 80 to 85% of them 
would not like you can't bring me down you know what i mean it's just it's something that alternative you know and anyway uh the next song uh why don't you take it ian i'll hate you better yeah uh, yeah, I'll let you take it last because I know you're going to slam the fuck out of this. Um, it's fucking terrible. I absolutely love this fucking song. I, I think it, it's beautiful. It's so out of the wheelhouse uh, for suicidal. But, but the thing is, it's like, it's it's an angry song, but it, like, like dressed in a fucking pop song. And the guitars, the, all, a lot of the guitars on this album, like really shine it's not as crunchy as his previous suicidal albums and again this song has all the elements that you hear me bitch about some other many bands doing you know uh you know changing the sound the slick producer you know all this shit but i i i gotta call it like i see it to me it works on this one and this sounds like no other fucking suicidal song and i love it though it's just it's so happy, but at the same time, it's like, you know, hate me all you want because, bitch, I'm going to hate you better, and I'm going to win in the end, and it, to me, it's still an empowering song, and I just love the left, you know, it, it's so out of left field. It reminds me of, you know, an album that I know we're going to do in the future, and uh, it, it's an Anthrax album called Stomp 442, and they have this song called Bear, which is unlike any other anthrax song but yet it's perfect it may not be the most perfect anthrax song but in and of itself it is a perfect fucking song spoiler alert bear is the best fucking song on 442 thank you <laughs> all right you heard it here first kids uh, but, but you know and i'm sure you know ralph's gonna disagree with me but i i see it that same way it's so different for the band, but when it's a great song, it's a great song. And to me, uh, this is great. Even though, like, you know, if you're expecting to hear You Can't Bring Me Down to Trip the Break, you're not going to get that from this song. But in and of itself, you know, it's like Ralph loves uh, Until It Sleeps. And then to him, it's, it's a great song. And to yeah. me, and to me, I absolutely hate it because it's not Metallica. Uh, it's, it sounds great. It sounds nothing like Metallica, and it pisses me off at a time when I needed Metallica to come back from the Black Album and do, like, Fight Fire with Fire. They went a 180 and did that shit. And I'm sure that's how Ralph views this song. When he wants to hear another, you know, You Can't Bring Me Down or Trip the Brain, he gets this shit, and it or doesn't... Or guy like a little East Day here. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, and that song is very weird. Oh, love it. Dude, that song, I got to tell you, that's all Join the Army, by the way. Forget yes. about that re-recorded version. Right. I Die a Little Each Day, to me, is the greatest suicidal song, period. Oh, and, 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 and it's even, different as fuck. Oh, yeah. Take a walk down under the street. That, oh, that, fuck. Dude, that riff is going on and oh. the vibe and the, and, the, and the very light thingy he does. Like, ah, oh, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, there was a lot of people... Who hated uh, Join the Army because it didn't sound like the first album, you know? Yeah, but you know what? Uh, I didn't see it because Suicidal really was very underground at that time. Oh, yeah. Well, Over I, here in Florida. I, I'm sure in L.A., you know, they had more of a bigger following. I discovered Suicidal uh, from a girl who was a couple years older than me, and she was like the alternative chick. 
And I, I looked in her, you know, uh, we were in music class together, and she would bring her music with her everywhere. And her kind of shit was like, you know, uh, Cure, Susie and the Banshees, uh, Butthole Sir. You know, it was all underground, especially at that time. When, like, you know, maybe if you watched 120 minutes, you'd see this shit on MTV. But in other words, you wouldn't hear it. And I remember looking through her tapes one day, and I saw Suicidal Tendencies. I'm like, wow, that sounds evil. And then I picked the cassette out of her. You remember those cases you used to have to carry cassettes in and shit? Yeah. And, and I picked it out, and I saw that fucking album cover. You know, what an amazing album cover Join the Army is. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. And I was like, oh, I gotta check this out. And it was so weird because it was weird even for this chick, you know. You know, she's got Echo and the Bunnymen, and then then here's suicidal tendencies, and and I see that artwork, and then I hear the music, and it's heavier than what I was listening to, but it's kind of punky at the same time. But they were all over the map, and to me, this is an example of another uh, suicidal song that is all over the map. But unfortunately, I don't think uh, it sat too well on your ears. So I'm, enough of me bragging about it. I will say this was. Uh, their highest charting song on Billboard, but uh, and it was the last single off the album. It makes no sense to me because this is a song that was on MTV for maybe three times, not like "Send Me Your Money" and shit. It wasn't played much. I never heard it on the radio. I did hear "Send Me Your Money" back in the day on the radio. I I, I did hear this on. Uh, we had a hard rock station in Chicago for a very short time. I did hear this on the radio. Okay, well. Um, uh, you like it, I don't. But, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like this song. I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't oh, yeah. like this song. But this is what I got to say to all of them. I hate this song better than you. <laughs> this song sucks. It fucking sucks. It's boring. Another video to help seal the fate of suicidal tendencies from going to the next level. This is... You say, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe this was the highest single, and this and that, and Billboard, and a lot of people heard it, and all those people that did hear it said, "Fuck this band." So I hate this song better than anybody out there. But Fuck this song. Let me let me ask you something, Ralph. If they came out with a with with a heavy album, do you do you think? It would have transcended them to the next level, or do you think it just would have been another album? I mean, I mean, seriously, for this band at that at at that time when grunge was taking over, do you think a heavier album would have really propelled them? No, but I think it would have kept them at an even level, like they did for Slayer, Megadeth. It would have kept them at that level where this one just made them plummet. I don't think a heavy album would have made Suicidal bigger. But I think it would have kept them in a level where if they would have stuck to their guns like an Overkill, for instance. Right. You think Overkill got better with I Hear Black or a WFO or from the underground? No. No. They, no. they remained at that same level. But in hindsight, they they held more respect for, for staying that way. Happening. But, but well, Suicidal would have as well. I think what Suicidal should have done, in my opinion, I think that next album, this album, should have been more thrash and fucking old school punk. A combination of the first album and Light Camera. If they right. would have went there, I think they would have got more of a legitimate... But they were chasing something that they just couldn't achieve. And, no, and it shows. I'm I, not proven. I, I agree. I think at that album, when Alternative was the flavor... Uh, punkier could have been the better route for them. At least, 
popularity wise. My my point is too that any band that switched alternative, uh, when alternative came, they all failed. Think about it. All the bands that your hair bands. Uh, I remember a Bullet Boys released like what was it called Acid Monkey or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they were trying to be alternative, fucking failed. Well, no, uh, Metallica did it. Megadeth did it. Yeah, but no, no, no. Megadeth, it kind of it 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 Megadeth stayed at an even keel, where Metallica is an exception of a band that can release them farting into a microphone, because after the Black Album, they can do no wrong to the mass population that cares about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Grammys. You know what I'm saying? Right, but, but Megadeth Megan, did it with uh, Cryptic Writings, but then they went too far But here's with another thing. And then you say, and you might be right, oh, well, Trust was their biggest single. Dude, I Trust was nothing compared to Symphony of Destruction and shit like that. It may have been a bigger single on the Billboard, but as far as, like, the core audience... Right. Well... I, I will say I he lived in Florida. More important. I, I well, I lived in Central Florida at the time. I lived a little bit south of Orlando, and when when Cryptic Writings came out, dude, you heard that shit every fucking hour, and it made me cry. I mean, I hated. It. I I that was the first Megadeth album since Peace Sells that I didn't buy when it came out because oh. I hate I hated it so bad. But you could not escape that uh, secret place. Uh, you know what were the other? The, uh, I, I, the, I never heard Secret Place. All I ever oh, heard dude. that album was was uh, Trust. That's it. Oh, in Orlando they have a station called JRR, uh, and they, they do that Earth Day Birthday Festival every year. But it, it's horrible corporate rock uh, radio station. But every single off of fucking Cryptic Writings, you heard every fucking hour. I mean, it was like it got beat into your fucking brain, dude. Well. Um, yeah, I, and you know what? Uh, something that I'm, I don't know if you're aware of, but when it comes to Central Florida, North Florida, that's like fucking comparing like Alabama to to Las to Las Vegas. Oh, I believe Miami's you know, another fucking. Miami world. is not the South, man. Oh, Technically, no, I, it is, but you well, know, it's, it's it's like North North Cuba. You know? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad down here. And when Megadeth came down here on the cryptic writing, it, it was a downgrade because. Euthanasia and Countdown and Extinction were at Bayfront Amphitheater, and by the time Cryptic Writings came, oh, I, I'll do, I'll, I'll check it out. The first, because they came down here twice for uh, Cryptic Writings. The first time they played Sunrise Musical Theater was a huge downgrade. Oh, I know, I know that. It's a huge downgrade, and then they came back and they played a club, and uh, this was one of Nick Menza's last shows. They played a fucking club down here. That's how bad they plummeted with Cryptic Writings for it to contain their quote-unquote biggest single. And then Riff didn't do them no favors, and, and they pretty much... Megadeth has been, till the big four, they kind of been like at an even keel, you know? Risk hurt them, but then they came back with that crappy album, uh, which I think was just as bad. World Needs a Hero. Dude, Ooh. I think that album was just as bad as Risk. That was... That was horrible. And that was them. That was their uh, su- uh, still si- what is it? Suicidal for life. That was Mojo Psycho. Oh they were God. trying to be like old Megadeth, and it failed like suicidal. But anyway, we've been going on too long about this. I hate you better, crap. Uh, I'll take the next one, which is Which Way to Be Free. Um, this song, like I said, I listen to it a lot, so I got a couple positive things to say about this one. It's got a cool, stinky groove. 
which I thought. <laughs> it's not bad for a filler because it is a filler. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. It's decent, but compared to the rest of the clunkers on this album, it's fucking symptom of the universe. That's what I think of this. Song. All right. Well, we kind of agree on this. Uh, in my notes, I put album track. You know, this definitely is not a single. Uh, and it's a little bit happy, but heavy at the same time. But uh, you know, this is definitely, you know, a, a filler track. There's no beating around the bush, but I do enjoy it. Then we're going to the next song, which is It's Going Down. I love this song. In my opinion, this should have been the song that ended the album. And I, I, I love the riff on this. Uh, lyrically, it's a little bit repetitive. But uh, it's it's just got a good feeling. It's got a good chug, you know. Uh, you know, it's going down on my dogs. I know that sounds terrible, but I'm drunk. But sounds better than the fucking version. But I I do like this song, and I think this is where they should have ended the album. Ralph, what do you think? This is fucking terrible. I'm serious. I'll take risk over this class. Wow. Forgettable, blah, don't care. It's going down, yeah, it's going down the toilet. Fucking, they just killed their career with this shit. Fuck this song. Take a lot All right, the last song is Where's the Truth? Um, it's an okay song, but to me, it's a, it's a total B-side. You know, and, uh, you know, if you're old enough to remember, you know, if you had 45s or cassette singles and shit like that, there would always be a B-side a lot of times. It was a left-off track, and, you know, sometimes you would get a real gem. You know, like a perfect example is um, Ozzy, what up the B-side? Now, there's a great fucking B-side. But nine times out of ten, it's a song you would listen to, and you'd realize why it was it didn't make the cut. And to me, this is a prime example. It's not horrible, but it's, it's not a standout. And if this was back in the album era where, you know, you only had so many minutes, this never would have made the cut. And I think it's a limp way to, to end a good album, in my opinion. Well, first of all, I gotta say, One Up the B-Side is not as good as Bark at the Moon. It's not as good as Rock and Roll Level. It's not as good as Center of the Universe. It's not as good as Waiting for Darkness. But it's better than the rest of the fucking album. You so. damn right it's better than So Tired. Yeah, it is, and I love So Tired. Man. Better than Slow Down. Ah, now you see it, eh? The second song I like a lot. Uh, you're no different. To- I, I love, love that. I, lo- I, love, I that song. love that song. But I like B-side more. Anyway, going back to this song. Where's the truth? It's more like where's the suicidal? You want <laughs> truth? Listen to Suicidal Tendencies. Join the army. How will I laugh tomorrow? Feel like shitty P. Light camera revolution. That's where the fucking suicidal is. Not this fucking dreck. This is horrible. Terrible way to end a terrible fucking album. Art of Rebellion. It's a great title, though. You know, it's like them rebellion against being suicidal. So fuck this song. Fuck this album. I'm glad we're done with it. I'm glad I don't have to listen to it no more. Thank you. Well, well there you go. And uh, I think this should follow up the uh, our, our Rainbow episode because, you know, a lot of fans love it when one of us hates a fucking album. And we put up a Rainbow uh, you know, the Down to Earth, where I really fucking hated that album. And I told Ralph, man, 
pick something you hate that I love. And, and he named this, and I was like, perfect. And so I hope you're thoroughly entertained. Okay, so, I, so this is going to follow the Rainbow episode, but I'm going to say it right now. So there's no denying. After this week, next week will be the health episode because that one's getting kind of old in that folder. And that's a great episode because your mom's going to get really mad at me. <laughs> okay, so spoiler alert, you'll already know what ep- if you listen, you'll already know what episode's coming up next. Oh, and, you're, and you've got to listen to that because I really bash Ian's mom, and then Ian makes me aware that she's a big Beatles fan, and she will for sure be listening to that episode. And, and to tell you the truth, I don't even remember what you said, so I, I don't, can't wait I don't, to listen to it. I don't either, but I do remember that part where I was like, oh, <laughs> you're like, oh, my mom loves the Beatles. My mom, this is the way you said it, you go, Oh, my mom's going to be like, oh, the Beatles. Let me listen to this episode. <laughs> oh, Uh-oh. Oh, she's really going to hate you now. Yeah. <laughs> they don't make no seatbelt for their mind. <laughs> what do you mean now? That bitch already hates me. Oh, no, I didn't mean to call her a bitch. I'm talking to you, oh. not her. <laughs> like she's listening to this. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. That'll just Ew, be... suicidal. What the What's my son next... into? <laughs> Oh, my God. So, this album that I love and Ralph hates was released June 30th, 1992. That was a dark day. Produced by Peter Collins, who uh, prior to this was probably best known for horrible Rush albums that he produced. Uh, I believe he's the guy behind Power Windows and Hold Your Fire. Well, and that makes a lot of sense. And I got to say, uh, one thing positive I can say about this album, uh, they really did stick by their name because they... they, they, they fucking did career suicide <laughs> and uh so there you go uh to me it was the last great suicidal album i even though i enjoy there's something i enjoy on every suicidal album i i really need to to listen to 13 i i really haven't dug into that one yet uh, uh it's very forgettable i actually it, own, is it is it uh prime cut it, it's all forgettable stuff Oh, I, li- I like the bonus tracks on Prime Cuts, the greatest hits. Uh, I gotta listen to it. Again. Uh, I just, but, I think this album, I have it. I actually own. But it. they did two. You know, when they got back together, they broke up after Suicidal for Life, then got back together. But it was really just you know Mike Clark and, and Mike Muir. But uh, you know they did two albums that were more on the punkier side, um, and and I mean the, to me it wasn't the classic sound. But there's still songs I enjoy. But to me, this is the last one and uh, that I really love. But anyway, Ralph hates it. So uh, there's your hate-filled review. I got to I gotta also say, the last time I saw Suicidal, and I don't know if it's out there yet, but I saw the opening act was No Mercy, which which had Mike Mirror, but he's no longer in the band. It's Mike right. Clark. Right. And they were fucking amazing. Oh, really? And I don't know if they have anything out. Uh, they they have some EPs and you know Suicidal has put out a bunch of EPs that have different bands on them and, and a lot of them have like a you know a, a No Mercy track here and there. Yeah, No Mercy and No Mercy played the song No Mercy from uh, the Feel Like Shit EP. Massive nice. No Mercy. Nice. And they were great. And if memory serves me correct, I believe Mike Park is the singer of the band. I could be wrong. I don't uh, remember that, but man, I, they were great. They were I think he's, and he said, you know, he had a band, uh, Creeper, that was on the uh, the last Infectious Grooves album, Mas Baracho. Uh They had a song that was totally different, kind of almost like a uh, sublime kind of thing, but I enjoyed the song. Uh, but anyway, 
let's go into pick of the week. And have you surprised me and, and come up with a pick of the week for this week, Ralph? Yeah, yeah, I do have one, actually. Ah, let's hear it. And, and it does uh, coincide with this episode. Uh, the very first uh, Infectious Groove album, the the plague that makes your booty move is that the name of it the plague that makes your booty move it's the infected grooves i have that i have it i have the promo poster framed in my living room um i love that that album uh it's fucking awesome it's uh with a guest ozzy osbourne on therapy an amazing song a cool fucking video for it and they have a cool video for pump it up yeah and and dr- and drums by Stephen Pierkins from uh, uh, uh Jane's yeah, Addiction. Yeah, Jane's Addiction, yeah. <laughs> I think it's an awesome fucking album. A very stinky groovy, uh, great bass player from Drew Hero. Um kinda and and unlike this fucking album, it's it's not all over the place. It does have some hints of suicidal, but it's very funk oriented with a stinky groove going from track one all the way to the end. Kept my interest. Even the little Sarsipia spoken words. Oh, I love that shit. Yeah, all that shit's funny. Wear frame, put it all over your body. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So uh, that is my pick of the week. I I love that album. The Sarsipia arc was kind of, to me, I kind of felt like that was kind of like just thrown together. Which, uh, with with a great version of fame, by the way. Yes. I, I, I agree it is a step down. But there is some shit that I really love on there, like uh, three-headed mind pollution. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There is some good stuff, and I love the the third uh, infectious uh, group family psycho. Yeah, is way good. is way heavier. There's some good shit on that, and I love the last one, uh, Masparacho. Which is the the third one has these freaks came here to party, right? No, these freaks came here to party is on uh, Sassipius Art. Oh, okay, I like that one too. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and supposedly they're working on a new album. Unfortunately, it, it's it's not with Robert Trujillo. I know uh, James Hetfield really frowns on, uh, you know, any any bass player doing any outside fucking uh, shit. But uh, but man, I'd love to see him come back and do some more infectious. Great pick, Ralph. All right, What's your pick. All right, my pick is probably my opinion the greatest EP of all time. Even though to a lot of people it's oh, not. Thanks, an EP. bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the second greatest. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, so it's not combat. Okay. It's by a little band you might have heard of. They've been in the news a little bit lately. ACDC. And the album is 74 Jailbreak. You, 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 by the way, Ian, um, you picked this already. I do remember this. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you, you already gave us a pick. You got another one? Or you want to stick to this one? Because it is good enough to have twice. But you know. Yeah, I, I'm going to stick to it because I'm too drunk to get up and go over okay. to my CDs. Uh, and again, uh, dude, jailbreak. You ain't got a hold on me, show business, soul stripper, and baby, please don't go. Uh, and not a fucking stinker in the bunch. Not one thing like, oh, that's filler. You ain't got a hold on me, man. That song fucking rules. Oh God! But all of all of them fucking rule. And and these were songs that you know this was definitely for the the American audience. And uh, this was released uh, in 1984 after, you know, they suffered a little bit with flicking yeah, the switch. Exactly. Yeah. Just like suicidal. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, know, you know, flick of the switch didn't do what, you know, Back in Black or For Those About to Rock or or even what, you know, Highway to Hell did. And uh, like, oh, hey, uh, sorry you didn't like that last one. Here's some Bon Scott that everybody loves. And, uh, man, just 
and amazing. Like I, you know, I was doing my radio show today, and, and I had a listener. Uh, you know, he he picked two songs off of this. He's like either one, and uh, man, I went with "You Ain't Got a Hold on Me," and oh my god, do I love that song. Uh, and if I, I I picked it before, if you didn't listen to last time, listen now. Go buy this shit. Yeah. Um. And when you picked it the last time, not that I'm discrediting your pick of the week, but I was kind of like, really, dude? It's like these are these are songs that were on the Australian releases. But whatever, I understand. You know, I mean, the first time I heard these songs was from this EP. It wasn't right. until I got I got this box set of all the Australian releases. And like you ain't got a hold on me. I think it's on high voltage, and you know, uh, soul strippers on dirty deeds and shit like that. You know, it's all different track listings. And jailbreak was on dirty deeds. Um, but you know, since nobody's heard those songs here, I think that was pretty much the best of the of the songs that were not released in America, except Crab City and Blue should have been on there as well. And, you know, the majority of our listeners, I mean, not to take anything away from anybody, but the majority are uh, from the U.S. And we do have a lot of young listeners that might not know this because it doesn't get talked about as much as, as the other albums. You know, this is kind of like, you know, when, you know, you were a fan of the 80s and I was a fan. We knew this and loved it. But, it, it, you know, as time moves on, you don't hear about it as much. It did know? really well. I bet it's so more than Flipper's Switch. Yeah, I, I mean... At the time, it's so well. And what was so amazing was when they released this, they had a video for it. Yeah. Because you know, they actually shot not one. I don't know if you know this, but they shot, there's two different videos for Jailbreak. I just found that out the other day because I only knew of the one, you know, I knew where, you know. He, yeah, the, the classic I, one, the better one. Right. But there's another one that was released on um, the DVD, that, the box set called Backtracks. They yeah. actually did put Jailbreak on there, the second version, where it's just them in a little room, which see, you I got, can see. On I got, I got Family Jewels. I didn't have the backtrack. Oh, was it on Family Jewels, the second version? No, 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 no. no. I don't think I'm saying I had, yeah. I had Family Jewels, but I didn't okay. have backtrack. Yeah, Family Jewels has the the jail one where they're outside, which is great, with Bon Scott and uh, Angus Young missing teeth. And uh, you know, another thing I'm going to throw out here is a little bonus extra. If anybody's all butthurt because I already picked up, uh, you know, 74 Jailbreak, go get Bonfire. Now, there's a fucking box set. I love that. Even though I don't know why the hell it's got back and black on it. But, uh, yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, it is a tribute to Bond, but still, come on. Right. But the live shit on there and, you know, the booklet and everything. If you don't have Bonfire... And, and you're a Bon Scott fan, go get that, man, because there's some great shit on there. As well as, I mean, I have, uh, I'm sure you can probably get it, but it's probably very pricey now. The deluxe edition of Backtrack, which is actually an amplifier. Yeah, I saw that. I have it. I have it. It actually works. I plug my guitar into it. It's pretty good. Nice. Uh, it brings vinyls. It brings DVDs, CDs, a killer hardcover book with many rare photos. Um... Highly, highly recommend that as well. Get that version, because that way you get all the extra shit that's well worth it. Uh, I'm sure you can get. I mean, I remember seeing Backtrack in Best Buy, like the regular version, which was like I think like a two CD set and shit like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, Bonfire is really good. There's a couple things on Bonfire I'm not too crazy about. I'll be honest, honest with you. Like I don't like Touch Too Much. You know that song? I love it. Not the song. Not you know what I'm talking about, right? 
not the Highway to Hell version. There's a song called Touch Too Much on... What was the name of that song, that album? Um, uh, Volts? Yeah. There's yeah. a couple tunes on there that I'm kind of like, no wonder this wasn't released. And they wrote a song called Touch Too Much, which is absolutely nothing like the version on Highway to Hell. It's a total different song, and I, I really don't dig it. Now, Backseat Confidential is cool because it's beating around the bush before it was, but, you know, I'm so used to beating around the bush that, you know. Right. But Backseat Confidential is still cool. It's a cool tune, but it's the same fucking song. Uh, there's a different version of uh, If You Want Blood, I believe. There's a couple things on there that are kind of like, mm. but what really, for me, makes Bonfire amazing is that 76 concert, I think, that Atlantic Records released. I remember yeah, seeing yeah, that yeah. vinyl. I remember seeing the vinyl back in the day. It was very hard to get, but I remember seeing it. And if you listen to that CD, that's that's a transfer from the vinyl. Because listen to the beginning, you hear crack crackles. Nice. Uh, but that show is phenomenal. Because what that show is, is they're playing to record executives. They're playing to about 20, 20 30 people. And you can tell they're all drunk off their ass. Because they're all like, you know, during the songs and shit. <laughs> and singing the jackets. That right there is worth it alone. And unfortunately, the only way you can get it is through that but you also get um the full let there be rock concert uh, yes. from paris on there and what else uh I, oh it, it has it has um a bottle opener um i know there's a couple other things in there like little and a cool book you know so yeah that's a good pick uh actually ian your pick is bonfire this week. <laughs> there you go all right uh, get them both get them both using the amazon link exactly all right, now we get to the part that I gotta do every week. The Facebook page is a family. Everybody is so interactive on that. And it is, it's one of the wildest sites on the fucking internet. It's fucking amazing. If you're not on our Facebook page, join. All you gotta do is send a request, we'll let you in. And, uh, you know, then it's up to you to make the most of it. Also, go on iTunes. We're available on iTunes. If you're there, leave a review. Since I've started reading all these reviews on iTunes, we've been getting a lot more. I guess people like to hear their shit being read, and we will read it. So please go on iTunes, subscribe to us, leave a review. Very important. Of course, you can check us out on our home on Podbean. And when you go on the Podbean page, there's links to all kinds of amazing shit, like the Facebook page, like the Amazon page, like the Thrasher Die page, like the Combat page, uh, that Metal Station, the Indie Authority, all this shit you can find on the Podbean page. But most importantly, we're talking about that Amazon page. Get on there, give daddy some money. Ain't gonna cost you a penny more and you get what you already want. Check us out on that MetalStation.com where you can hear us Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And Thursdays, our times changed on Thursdays. I believe we're on now at 6 p.m. Eastern. Also check out Mike Tyler's two amazing shows, one on Tuesday and one on Friday, and uh, directly inspired by our show, and I couldn't be more proud of them. Also check out The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. And now we'll mention some other podcasts that are friends of ours that promote us and we promote them. Ear Peeler. The 
podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as Ultra Sexy Classic Album Series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Fraley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Hey, 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 it's me, Bill Wang. Make sure you listen to The Dr. Fox Show, Thursdays, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, the replay, Sundays, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ThatMetalStation.com. Bam! Hello, this is Lee Gerstman, and I listen to a show called Wadzilla Rock. It's on a station called ThatMetalStation.com. I love the show. Ian Wadley does music, heavy rock from when I was younger up until now, and he's got an extensive bunch of cool shit that he plays. And I love pumping my dog in memory to those tunes. Check it out! on Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That is Wadzilla Rock on ThatMetalStation.com. Thank you. All right. Well, if you love that episode, or if you hated it as much as Ralph, 
It was terrible. (laughs) No, the episode was kick-ass. The album was terrible. Oh, well, there you go. Well, maybe your opinion will change next week, because I feel this is a little something closer to your heart. Oh, cool. Uh, Our special guest next week is the one and only Magnum P.I., Tom Selleck. Awesome. I love how you get these stars, bro. Oh, yeah. Now, this this one, his manager says for sure this is a lock, and you're going to love this because uh, we're like, hey, Magnum, what album do you want to talk about? He wants to talk about the debut album from Thrash or Die, Poser Holocaust. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even realize he was a a fan. Yeah, he said, uh, melting your skull was too experimental. He he felt you were were chasing trends. He's an old school thrash or die guy, and uh, he wants to talk about Pulser Holocaust. Yeah, you know, I I, I did have a fight with the band because I wanted to call melting your skull arts of of terrible. (laughs) Well, if you... Let, let's see what Tom really thinks about this. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Got to kill Magnum P.U. <laughs>